0: 18 plus news the
1: news is coming up next Sports.
0: such an important topic sports
2: we didn't make a claim um we did stay late but um we were pleased with with some of the additions and things we were able to do this is koa sports
3: now dave logan big al alfred williams and ryan edwards All right, welcome to the program. (laughs) I just want to welcome Jeff Brantley to his first day (laughs) running the show. With, uh, I'm sure he's like, "What in the hell did I get myself into here?"
0: All about (gasps) K.O.A. Sports. Dave Logan, Alfred Williams, Ryan Edwards, Alfred off today. Five six six nine zero is our common spirit health text line. How you doing, Dave? You know what? I am. uh, I'm battling a
3: little bit of the junk, I guess. You and I were talking about it. Normally, I don't. I don't really get this till late November because I'm constantly around walking petri dishes. (sighs) Yes. at Cherry Creek but yes. um I think I think it's just kind of going around but I'm I'm good I sound sort of uh
0: a little bassy plugged up yeah well I I prefer more you know sultry is is a good way that I would describe I'm your I'm a little voice. worried
3: you frankly that you would look at me <laughs> And use the term sultry. But, I mean, but, with but all I guess, due respect, I Dave. I, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm very in touch with my own yeah. self, so thank you. It's a compliment. Thank you so much. Absolutely a yes, compliment. thank you so much.
0: From one man to another man, it's yeah. completely acceptable. And if Al is uh,
3: out there listening, uh, get better, feel better.
0: His, his voice better was also quick. very
3: sultry yesterday. Yeah, he had, little, uh, he had a little Barry White going.
0: He did. We got into a big argument about CU. And, and part of it's my fault because I poked the bear. And, and I know that surprises you. To no end. This was after I went to practice. Yeah, we... Well, we got, how did you poke the... Give me an idea. Well, we, we played some sound from a Yahoo Sports analyst who said that uh, that CU might have the worst roster in all of college football, which we both, by the way, dismissed like that just... That's silly. That's pretty silly, yeah. you know? Uh, and then he started going in on they're going to be seven and five this year. And I I mean... Did you push back? Well, of course I pushed back because seven and five is like candyland. And, and it's not to say that I'm being a hater or anything, even though I was accused of that on the text line. It's just to say w- we can have positive conversations, like the over/under was three and a half right now. You know, positive conversations, saying, "Hey, I, four wins would be a, a, a nice stepping stone season." It's not even an orange slices conversation. It's just what it is. Oh, but he wasn't having it. Oh, he he was so upset with well, me. listen, he
3: he. One thing I I, I love about Al is he, there is a genuine, unabiding love for CU football. Oh, yeah. And it's the same with me. Um, I mean, I played there before Al. And Al, Al played there at a time where, I mean, the program got turned around. That You know, they play in two national championship games. He wins one. But we played at a time in the early to mid-70s where we got that thing turned around pretty good too, right? And had a lot of good players. My senior year, we had 12 guys drafted. But, um, I. so I'm optimistic. I want to be... Realistic about it, uh, I, I the over and under in Vegas is still three and a half, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm just telling you, I, I'm taking over. Uh, seven might be a little optimistic. It's hard to look at that schedule and see where where you would get seven, but stranger things have happened. I I cannot wait to see them Saturday. Yeah, me too. In in Fort Worth, yep. I think it's a terrific matchup. It's nationally televised. It's everything you would expect with Coach Prime bringing his brand to Boulder, I mean, what what would the chances have been, and then I'll stop on the CU thing, if if Coach Prime would have coached somewhere else and they would have hired, I don't know, say anybody else, maybe other than Nick Saban, what would the chances have been that CU would be the big game on Fox
0: to open the college football season? Next to none. Yeah, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, it wouldn't have happened. Especially, and even right now, they're still 20-and-a-half-point underdogs. Yeah. And it's still in the main window yes. right there of the big game on Fox. Yeah, because, so. I
3: mean, everybody that's a college football fan has an interest. And, yeah. I, and I think I was t- – you were – we were doing the show, I don't know, one day this week. I think Al was here. Um, But a good friend of mine runs a sports casino in Las Vegas. And, we we you know, we talk a lot about a lot of stuff. He said, Dave, honestly, if the over hits – for the CU football total number of wins this year. It is going to be one of the biggest payouts in Las Vegas sportsbook history. Wow. There are so many people. Betting the under? No. So okay. many people betting the over that are buying. Got it. But he I said what every you're sportsbook yeah. in Las Vegas is rooting for the Buffs to win fewer than four
0: games. Right. If, because if, three and a half does feel yeah,
3: It feels low. light. Yeah. Mm. So we'll see. Wow.
0: Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. And listen, like we got into it yesterday and I said four wins feels reasonable. That feels that feels optimistic to me. But it's also one of those deals like we're talking about fairy tales right now because I don't even know what they're really going to look like. I don't know. I don't like, think anybody does. It, right, exactly. Right. right. And so, so, you know, and I'm going to be part of the, the pre-pre-game for Nebraska uh, coming up in two weeks. Well, week and a half. And I'm very excited about that. Even at 6 a.m. I'm very excited about that.
3: But... Wait, wait, our pre-pre-game starts at 6 a.m.?
0: Uh, on uh, Saturday the 9th. Is it 9th. at least
3: the day of the game?
0: Yes, Saturday the 9th.
3: So you're starting a pre-pre-game show at 6 a.m. And the game is what time? 10 against Nebraska. Okay.
0: Yeah, so we're doing a 6 a.m. right you know here what? on KOA. I'm going to put it in my
3: phone right now. Okay. And I will be up okay. listening to the show.
0: All right. Yep. All right. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited
3: about it. I'm and, excited about that game, too. But at
0: least in that that game, we're going to have some some information. And that's what I'm needing right now. I just I need information. You know, we have information on the Broncos because we've been out at training camp. We watch preseason games. We have information. And and uh, gosh, I wish I could talk about some of the things I saw today. Oh, Dave, good, bad, and very different. good. I'm ex- a.
3: It, it's amazing. Well, what, for you to be excited, you've been a little bit of a hater. So,
2: <laughs> so for
3: you to be excited, I'm I'm semi. I almost said aroused, but I'm semi. <laughs> I'm semi-excited that you're really excited. Well, you you went with sultry. I was oh, trying I know, to come I know, back I with <laughs> I was
0: trying to come back with something that would be
3: sort of in the in the in the, vein, uh, in yeah. the lingo. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's th- th- that's on par for the show. No, I I'm not a hater. First of all, I, I, I'm getting it from him yesterday, and now you're I'm li- getting it from you're, you?
3: you. You're a little bit of a.
0: I mean, you're a little bit of a hater.
3: I'm a just, realist. Just, just embrace. A- just embrace it. Just embrace it. <laughs> hey, I was going to say one other thing. I'm just kidding you about the hater. I, I'm not really kidding, but I'm sort of kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say this about CU: we, we don't know what they're going to look like. But to to me, here here are here here are two keys. We have no idea what their personnel looks like. I mean, we, we really don't. Mm-hmm. And TCU lost a whole bunch of guys, but they TCU's they? program, you know, has been uh, in the upper echelon, yes, certainly. They have of their conference, and last year they're in the national championship game. Okay, so if CU can get out of that game on Saturday having turned the ball over one time or less. And if they can minimize some of the gash, what I call gash plays Mm -hmm. of TCU, the 20-yard-plus chunk plays, right? If they can just go in, no matter what they look like, if they can go in and, and play smart, solid, Football and not give the game away, then then I think they're gonna they're gonna be right right in the game. I, I mean I really do.
0: But what I don't know and what we don't know is where are they deriving that confidence and that steadiness from? Well, the
3: confidence I can tell you exactly where they derive it is from the staff. Yeah, they they don't have any. They have no other place because they haven't played. Sure. So sure. going to, going into your first game, players to me. Derive confidence from the head coach and the staff in terms of how they've been prepared. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have to believe that no matter what the circumstances, we can win. We're going to go down here. We're not going down here to play this thing close. We're going down here to win. And if you believe in this plan, I'm telling you right now, we can beat these guys. But you you have to totally believe in the plan.
0: One of the things, and it's interesting that you bring that up in relation to TCU because that was what they were known for last year. They, they just found a way they found like, late in games. Late in games yeah. They just kept themselves within reach within touch of it. And they, they always came through and they just was a belief within that building. And now they don't have Max Duggan this year. And of course he's back with the chargers after he was waived yesterday, Yep. but th- that's, there's something about the culture of that. And, and so for me, you derive that almost immediately from your coaching staff. I love that point, especially coach prime because remember when we had him on the show he said, cause I sort of asked, well, realistic. He's like, I don't even want to talk about realistic. I plan to win every game. Mm-hmm. We we have every intention of winning every game. We step foot on the field for, and, and listen, man, speak it into existence. Let's let's see how that comes together because that is going to feed into the players. If they feel like that rather than, Hey, you know, going the opposite way, which you could of saying, guys, nobody believes in us. We're 20 and a half point underdogs. That doesn't seem like coach prime style.
3: Yeah. Well, he, I think that'll, I think that'll be mentioned. Yeah. Right. But I think until you play a game, two games, three games, until you develop as a player an ability to sort of look at tape and then say, okay, that's that's kind of who we are. And, and especially with as many new players as they have up there and a new staff, I mean, the the confidence level has to come from the coaching staff. And I know you're going to have Sean Lewis on yeah, today, the offensive of Coordinator. I, I won't be here. I'll be at practice. But, but here, here's one thing that I, I'm really interested in. I mean, he plays at a really high tempo. And I like that idea. As long as they're knocking out a few first downs mm-hmm. and then they can flip the field. And so I, I think, while, yes, y- you want to play fast, but if if you're not getting first downs, if you're going three and out or four and out and you're punting, mm-hmm. and you, you're then what you do is you start to really jeopardize your defense and... Going down there, I mean, offense, offensive coordinators, and he's been a head coach before. He right, answer? Your job as an offensive coordinator, obviously, is to move the ball and score points, right? Your job as a defensive coordinator is just the opposite. Your job as a head coach, I think, is to manage both of those things, and maybe one game you're going to turn that offense loose because you feel pretty good about your defense, but you got going down here, it's going to be... It, it will be, I bet, around a hundred degrees. Mm-hmm. My, my mom's side of the family, all from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, talked to them a lot down there. It has been stifling hot, and this game is going to be played at noon, Fort That's Worth time. So, I mean, they obviously they're smart up there, but you got you got to take that in consideration in mm-hmm. terms of you know how fast we want to play and how how many substitutes do we have and how many guys we rolling in on the defensive line because that that will be
0: immense heat down there certainly and and as you're talking about the substitutes again more information we're going to get how well do those guys gel together right i mean you're talking about your starters and you hope that your starters especially your offensive line and defensive line are, are all working in you in, in concert. But the thing is, is once you start substituting in and you kind of have to, it's what college football is, especially if you want to go with that tempo, that's when you really get to see what your depth looks like, how, how well everybody's communicating and, and how it's all coming together. And that's where a team like TCU might be able to get some of their work. But again, I, I can't wait. I'm I can't excited either. about Saturday. I, I am too. And uh, I'm excited about uh, getting this thing underway. Uh, 56690, that is our Common Spirit Health text line. So yeah, we were out of practice last couple of days. Some of the guys coming back, we got uh, a little bit of sense of what the practice squad is going to look like. And Dave, I got to start with the wide receivers because we, we, we last two years, last two years, I'd say, and I, I'm, I'm partly including myself in this. I, oh man, there's so much depth of wide receiver boy, it's going to be tough to cut these guys. Sean Payton took one look at that group and did not see the same thing. It is, by and large, one of the biggest takeaways I have of the Sean Payton era so far with this team. He kept the guys he absolutely had to. You realize, yesterday when they got down to 53, they only had four wide receivers. On their initial 53 roster, they had four guys and one of them was hurt. It's Jerry Judy. So, if you want to take a look at just recreating that room, bringing in... David Sills from the Giants today uh, mm. bringing in Philip Dorsett. Yep. Who was just with the Las Vegas Raiders, but most people probably know him from the Texans of the Colts and the Patriots. The U. The U. Yes, the U. And, and I guess, uh, as I saw, it, uh, somebody that covers the Saints uh, down in New Orleans said that he's loved Philip Dorsett for a very long time. A lot of speed, right? Straight yeah, line quick, speed. Quick, quick.
3: Very quick, into and out of, and uh, yeah, he can run.
0: But yeah, this wide receiver room, it's, it's completely different. I mean, besides the guy you had to keep, it's, the whole depth is all gone. Yeah, I, and we, we
3: talked about that. I mean, I think even yesterday we said, hey, listen, the final 53 that is announced on, it was that was Tuesday, mm-hmm. a week from this past Tuesday when they're starting to prepare for the Raiders, even though they already have started that process, you're going to have five, six, seven names that were on the final 53 two days ago or yesterday, that are not going to be in the Final 53 come this next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Sean Payton has been, he's not, he's been transparent in announcing that. There are other things he really gets, he can get a little cryptic on, but he's he said, hey, listen, this, the hay is not in the barn. Nope. Right? So he talked about I'm going back in and work until 2 a.m. Yep. And if I was real happy, I'd go home and have dinner at 6. That's the
0: life of, of
3: an NFL coach.
0: Yeah, he had a really great answer uh, talking about building the roster and, and, and sort of that process right there and how they went team by team, 37 players deep and broke it all down. This was great.
2: If we feel like there's a, an upgrade, then we look at it closely. It, it, we, we kind of factor in a lot. Um, it's a good question. And so, you know, the meeting last night started with, you know, the divisions, Atlanta, Arizona, Arizona, all the way down to Tennessee, um, Washington, and every player's discussed, some very quickly, some longer, and then there's some tags that we apply to each player with each team. And then when the process ends, we go back, and now we're at 17 that we've tagged. And then we discuss, uh, is it a claim tag or is it a practice squad tag? And it's pretty... It's pretty long. Um, then we go and begin to watch more film. Coaches then watch the film in the morning. It's a little different being on the West Coast because you, you've got to work later because your decisions got to come earlier. Um, it's just it is what it is. Um, but but I think the process went
0: well. I do appreciate how he paints a full picture. <laughs> he's like that's a good way to good way to describe it. Yeah, I mean he's he's not going to just tell you we went alphabetically A through Z on every team in the NFL and we put tags next to him. He's like, and because we're on the West Coast, there was these other factors in. I just, I do appreciate it. But that that's how thorough this process is. And I, I don't know. I don't know if we've ever heard a coach tell us what they do behind the scenes when cut down day happens.
3: Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Maybe not in in terms like that. I mean he's he in in a lot of ways reminds me of Mike Shanahan. Yes. He is such in, in my limited time getting to know him, very, very detail oriented. Um you can I, I believe I can tell that not much slips by him. He's truly a football fan. So he's he's loved this game for a long time. Um in total, we all know this, total control. Of the organization from top to bottom, just like Mike, and um, I had a friend of mine, that, and this this is a bit off the topic, that n- knows Sean very well. That said, hey, Dave, when he he gets going in the season, he's a two to five guy. I said, what exactly is a two to five guy? He said, he works until two, and he's back in at five. Wow! So I think he's immersed into the job he loves what he does and uh, I think the staff is going to be a staff that grinds and works hard and you know what I'm just I'm excited to see come September 10th when this club trots out on the field and that place in power field a mile high is going to be rocking Mm -hmm. on the 10th against the Raiders I am stoked to see what happens.
0: Yeah, the detail work is, is obvious every day. And I can say one thing from today that, I, again, I can't share a ton, but today, and we've seen it throughout camp as well, you know, you get special teams, and, and I've been around the NFL and football long enough that coaches, head coaches don't always immerse themselves in special teams, right? Special teams drill. They're over with their offense. They're over with their defense. They're talking to other assistant coaches. They're doing other thing. He is coaching every single guy that's going to be running downfield on, on kickoff, and and he he's 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 you know barking this and barking that and telling them the angles they need to take. I, I just I don't I don't see that very often. And, and you know you take that for what it is. It doesn't mean they're going to be a double widget win team because he coaches special teams. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of indicative of the detail work that really matters to him, and basically everything you laid out right there. I think it's another way
3: for him to establish the culture that he expects and wants as a new coach with new ownership with this franchise. Um when your head coach spends a lot of time with a lot of guys in special teams, the message to those playing special teams is, hey, you know what? It's very important. Mm-hmm. It's important enough that I'm standing here right now coaching you. So it it better be hopefully is that important to you, right? So yeah, he's 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 very intentional with with what he says to slaps like us, what he says to his team um I, I I'm just anxious to I'm anxious to put it in play and see where we go
0: same same but I, I just I found that again part of the whole picture and that's that's one of those deals like right? I mean it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Sean Payton to be over there working with Russell Wilson and making sure he understands what we're doing in the next drive or or talking to some other assistant coaches but he's it's him it's Mike Westoff and 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 uh Ben Kowika yeah. and they're just right there all standing behind all the guys and they are all, letting them know that it's important and that's such a great thing because when you go to the lowest level and you your are back in roster guys that are special teams aces if you will right four core guys if you go to those guys and you say it matters what you're doing right now this isn't a water break for the offense and defense right. this is an important drill and i'm over here telling you about it i i'm with you man and that that's the thing we're gonna see on game days no doubt can't wait all right, we'll come back. People are asking us what uh, happened with the practice squad today. We'll go over what the Broncos ultimately did, what it all means, and, of course, the pretty obvious omissions. we get to all that coming up next on KOA Sports 850 AM and 941 FM. By the way, Dave, Alfred texted me uh, during that first segment, said fight CU down the field. So as as you said,
3: <laughs> he said I'm sticking up for him here. Yeah. Cause it, it, it ain't gonna be what you said. <laughs> I mean you're a CSU guy anyway, and you work with two CU guys. Well, so you, what I mean, I don't but, even but know. But I don't I don't come into this to, thing. Although I will tell you this, I do I'll I'll say this too. I think CSU's gonna gonna go over their total, their total mm. was five and a half. That's right. I think CSU will win. I mean, I think they're a seven-win team. CSU is going to be pretty good this year. Are one of their wins against CU? No. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I mean, what
0: what would you expect me to say? <laughs> no. Well, you could say you're shaking your boots a little hey, bit. Listen, Maybe a little I'm con- ready for I'm Saturday. Concerned. That's what.
3: That's what. That's what I want to see.
0: You just give me a little bit of latitude. Say, you know, hey, I, I am...
3: pull for CSU every <laughs> single week except when they play CU.
0: Say, well, hey. We CSU has a head start with their coach has been there a year. That's you, true. It's it's, it's all that's true. It's all relative. That's true. <laughs> it's true. But listen, we're, we, you and I are both huge Jay Norvell fans. Yes, like, that is true he's, as well. He's a really good coach. I think good he's coach. a good, good football coach. And that's going to be a really fun culture there for the next several years. I'm excited what they're building. Uh, 56690 is our KOA Common Spirit Health text line. All right, let's get to the practice squad today. And, and then we're also simultaneously what well, we're mentioning some of these guys uh, who they did not bring back. There are guys like Montreal Washington did not come back to this team, Uh, at least as we sit here right now. Again, things can change, but as we sit here right now. So Ben DiNucci back. We figured, or he he told us yesterday, they were going to bring a third quarterback back. Dwayne Washington is back, special teams player. Tyler Beatty, who we like, running back, is back. Uh, I want to say that, uh, what was it? The other running back that you, you, uh, Jones. Tony Jones. I think he went to the Saints. I think he ended oh, he's up. he's going to be in the league. Yeah, yeah, he he signed you. he signed early this morning. Yep. Uh, wide receivers, will Jordan Humphrey, which we expected it'd be between him and Marquez, and I, I felt for a while that little Jordan was going to be the guy, like that was the expectation. And then two more wide receivers. They didn't put waiver claims in on anybody. And by the way, no Broncos were claimed off waivers either. David Sills and Philip Dorsett, two wide receivers. First of all. What do you think about that? What do you think about that in terms of what it says about the roster and, and what they felt like they still needed? I,
3: I think it says the, I, I think it says exactly what Sean Payton told us prior to cutdown down date, that it was going to be a fluid situation, that this roster uh, would look completely, if not, not completely different, but would look different than it, uh, that originally did on Tuesday, yesterday with the uh, cut down to 53. And... They're doing what, what good teams have to do. They're scouring the waiver wire to see if there's any players that might make sense to them. I think when you talk about players at this point, the first thing that would jump out on you, given the kinds of players that are out there, would be, can this guy come in and help us immediately in special teams? Mm-hmm. Right? You're, you're absolutely and if right. And the answer to that is yes, and we think – this guy is better right now than the guy we kept, who is primarily a special teams guy. Well, then you're going to make that move. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm not real familiar with David Sills. I mean, I know he's been in the league a while. Dorsett is a speedy, smaller receiver, been a return guy before as well. Mm-hmm. So, I,
0: I just don't think they're done. Sills is a good special teams player. I actually got to interview David Sills at the Super Bowl in Atlanta a few years ago when he was coming out in the draft from West Virginia. He had 33 touchdowns in his final two years at West Virginia. Did not know that. And honestly, when I watch him, I get Eric Decker vibes. And tremendous interview. Like, really, really fun interview. Guy Eric talk Decker to.
3: vibe in terms of that kind of player?
0: In, in, in terms of that kind of player, especially in the red zone. Because remember, Eric Decker, especially later into his career and there with the New York Jets, yeah. uh, he was a tremendous was a red zone player. threat.
3: I mean, very good player. Yes. No doubt. So I always thought it was David Crosby and Stephen Stills.
0: That That is true but that's the band so Crosby the David Stills. Sills is,
3: yeah, yeah. You know, never mind. I mean, I well, I mean just it just popped into my mind. When I hear Sills, I think of Steven.
0: Yeah, sure, right. sure. Right.
3: Uh, but I n- mean, you're the musician. <laughs> Me <Musician. laughs> kicking.
0: Maybe maybe his, his parents... No, I don't no know. relation, right? No relation. No, no whatsoever. Okay. No whatsoever. Good. But he's a he's a bigger receiver, Philip Dorsett, of course, uh more of the speedy type receiver. Yeah. Receiver. And, and they wanted to, they wanted to recreate the room. That's very clear. And by the way, uh Benjamin Albright just texted me he said, Montreal to KC to Kansas City. Ooh. Yeah. I'm not sure I like that, but don't love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Bandy is also back. Um so three, four wide receivers. They liked him. Yeah. I, I thought he
3: was impressive. Yeah. Bandy. You know, you know why? Because he did the he did the one thing that I think at times gets overlooked, and it's crazy to me as a former wide receiver. The single most important thing about playing wide receiver is having the ability to catch the ball. You can do all the other things. You can be a great route runner. You can get into and out of your breaks. I mean, you've got great hips. You've got great moves and quickness. If you don't catch the ball on uh, on a not just a regular but a high-level mm-hmm. basis, then I don't know how you stick in the NFL. But this guy, I mean, every time a ball was thrown in his area, it seems to me that Michael Bandy made a play.
0: He did. Uh, he, he competed. I, I, I just like that every single time. He's five 5'10", 190 pounds. And, and, and he, he looks... Like that. I'm not saying he plays bigger than that, but the fact is, when you're 5'10, 190, you've got to find something that makes you special to, to go against these cornerbacks that are usually are a little taller than you and maybe even maybe a bit faster on the straight line. Speed,
3: quickness, and ball catching ability. But he was quick out of his breaks. Yep. And like you said, he competed for the ball. Danny Amendola, Wes Welker, hey. Brandon Stokley.
0: We oftentimes <laughs> joked out of practice that if he got if he actually got released and decided to leave the New England Patriots would be yeah right one of the first people, one of the first groups on the phone um okay we see more uh De- demontre jacobs offensive tackle that was kind of expected uh he did, got nicked up in the last yeah, preseason yeah, game too yeah that he he did get uh nicked up a little bit i i think alex pelchevski is going to probably we didn't talk about him yesterday he might be an ir candidate I think he's got a hand. He had a
3: hand. He actually has two hands, but he <laughs> nicked a hand in that final preseason game. Really helps playing off the tackle. You know what? That's the first thing I thought of <laughs> when it was announced. Honestly, I swear to goodness. When it was announced, Alex, I think Susie had it. Alex Pal- Pal- Palcheski yep. has a hand issue, and his return is listed as questionable. I'm thinking, and I even think I said on the broadcast, hmm. <laughs> you know? That's just how the NFL works,
0: and oh. I'll leave it at that. It's like, boy, it, your toe's hurting, isn't it? No, actually, it yep. feels great. No, yeah. I'm telling you. Then you take a hammer out and hit the toe. <laughs> that, and <laughs> right. We're not
3: saying that's ever happened. Yeah. I'm just. No, but- I'm just saying that's how the NFL works.
0: <laughs> so there you go. We like you a lot. Um, and you've had a great camp, but I think your toe's hurting. Yep. No, it's, it's actually, I think it's going to be okay. Well, it's going to hurt for at least four weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm just letting you know right now. It's going to bother you. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, PJ Mustafer, who they've really liked a yep. uh, defensive lineman, Tyler Lancaster's back, which I thought was an inter- interesting, interesting ad, not because I don't think he deserves to be on here, Cause I, I actually thought he was, was going to make the 53, but Mike Purcell was one of the vested vets that they cut late yesterday. Mm-hmm. They could wait till after week one so that his contracts not guaranteed. That's right. And so they could wait till after week one and use Tyler Lancaster in week one, just throwing that out there. Something to watch. Um, let's see here. Jordan Jackson's back, Air Force. Mm-hmm. It's good to see that. Uh, defense backs, Art Green, Devon Key. Uh, outside linebacker, Marcus Haynes. So, Inku made the 53. As we said here today, he is on the 53, practicing. And so, I wondered if it would be one or the other, but it looks like they are going to try to keep both, but just one on the P squad. Yeah, I think, in, and uh, Al brought this up, oh
3: gosh, two, three weeks ago, how impressed he was with the outside linebacker room mm-hmm. and I think given what's happened uh, in the last 24 hours what he said was was true right I mean you're 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 making room you're finding ways to keep young talented guys mm-hmm. that you want to give a chance to grow and learn about the NFL and learn about this system and and you know practice squad type guys so not a surprise
0: but a lot of these guys as you said they're all special teamers. I mean, for almost every single one of them. Point of emphasis, when, when Sean
3: Payton, uh, when when we found out that Mike Westoff would be part of, he's the assistant head coach. Yep. But he's a legendary special teams coordinator. Now, he's not technically the special teams coordinator here, but legendary special teams coordinator. When we found out that Sean Payton talked to him out of retirement and coming in, Right then and there, you knew you just knew the special teams play was going to be a point of emphasis, and it was going to be better. And I've mm-hmm. seen nothing to uh, to make me change my thinking on that.
0: No, but and that's really tremendous because oftentimes it's been of the forgotten group, right? It's the one we don't talk about as much: it's offense, defense, yep. how they look. Um, but if you're good on special teams, if you can be a, a one of the above-average, if not top-10 special teams units in the league. Oh, well, that sets you up in so many successful opportunities, especially while your margins remain narrow early on in the season. No doubt. All right. Let's get a quick check of traffic from the KOA Traffic Center. Here's Dave Hunter.
2: Well, it's a great question. We focus a little bit more on us. Um, We'll shift the gears. We're working on... Las Vegas right now, upstairs. Monday will be a Las Vegas practice. Um, You know, every team in the league usually has a bonus practice Monday to start the season. Players are off Tuesday, and then here we go Wednesday. I think Wednesday's the next time we'll see you. And uh, we might even open the locker room.
0: (laughs) Uh, He can't even help it. He can't even help it. I don't don't blame him either. I mean, to a certain extent, he being Sean Payton – can kind of run things the way he wants to. We will have open locker room. Uh, That is is something that that will happen, as I understand it. And uh, we'll look forward to having a chance to chat with these players. It's been a little bit of a different training camp since most seasons I've covered the team. We've had a chance to talk to them right off the practice field, with the exception of the COVID season. That was the one that was a little bit different. But otherwise, this has uh, been the way they've set things up uh, here from now, and we'll kind of roll with it. But uh, that was Sean Payton talking about When they're going to start their prep for the Raiders, they're already kind of in that Monday will be a bit more focused on that as they're going to try to get into what is considered a bit of a game week situation. Welcome back to KOA sports. I'm Ryan Edwards, Uh, Nick Ferguson and Benjamin Albright are going to be joining me in studio here in just a matter of moments. Five, six, six, nine, zero is our KOA common spirit health text line Uh, coming up on the program today. Sean Lewis, the offensive coordinator for your Colorado Buffalo is going to join us at 4 30 and then a little after five o'clock Super Bowl champion Todd Davis will be on the show uh, he's been out at uh, training camp out of practices and we will' uh, get his thoughts on how this team looks and uh, where his optimism currently lies a couple couple texts here I want to get to though is it just me or does listening to Sean Payton address the media make you feel better than last year yeah I mean he's he's in control I this is the thing I was in having this conversation with a couple of media members out at practice today, because we talked about the, what if scenarios of Nathaniel Hackett, because I, and I've said for a while that if Russell Wilson hadn't come here last year, if they would have gone through a season with drew lock or Mitch Trubisky or something like that, we'd probably have another year of Nathaniel Hackett. Even if you'd have won five games, you would probably have another year of him. You give, usually you give first year head coaches a couple of years to figure it out. And he would have been an example of that. You would have tried to give him a chance to figure out what kind of messaging he wants to have, what kind of head coach he wants to be. But unfortunately, once you got Russell Wilson, maybe fortunately, we'll see how the season plays out. Uh, that, that changed everything. That, cha- that changed the entire perspective of what last year was going to be. So now we fast forward to, to where we're at now and you bring in Sean Payton and, and yeah, you you get 16 years of experience. That's what that looks like. We're not dealing with first year head coaches who don't exactly know where to be on the field. And that's something that Vance Joseph, no direct defense to him. because I think he's going to do a great job here. That's something that he talked about when he first got here. He's like, I don't know where to stand. I don't know. I don't know where I'm supposed to be as a head coach. I'm so used to being on the defensive side of the ball. And then Vic Fangio didn't even care. He just was on the defensive side of the ball. That's just what it was. Uh, but but I mentioned with Sean Payton, you know, there's a pacing to all of it. He knows he can be with the offense and then the defense and then special teams. He knows exactly the design of all of the periods and and where he needs to push the right buttons. And then when he gets them in front of the media, he he more or less tells us exactly what's happening. He told us they were going to bring in another kicker. They, he told the story about Will Lutz. And that's exactly what they ended up doing. They brought in Will Lutz. So I, I agree with the sentiment of it feels like he's in control and that's because that's exactly what we're seeing. Nick Ferguson sliding in here. You might want to turn on your microphone there, bro, and then we'll have some fun. Nope. Other one over there. Right there. That's it. You could have sat over here closer to me. No. I oh, hold on. Hold on. Gotta see. Gotta get... You see, if you'd have sat there, it would have been fine. But you decided to sit all the way across the room. Is it me? Does I smell or something? No. No, no you're still... I still can't hear you. Why don't you just go over
1: here? There it is. See, I was trying to put a little distance between you and I. Is it the breath or something? What, like- no, no, no. See, see, I wanted to start off the show putting a distance between you and I. So as the show went along, we got closer and closer together. Mm, that's you know, weird. Li- li- like viewpoints, right? Well, we'd be on two opposite ends of the spectrum. But but oh, like undisputed? Yeah, well, no, well, not not so much. I don't even <laughs> reference that that particular show. But you know what? You you're absolutely right about uh Coach Sean Payton. I mean, from the moment he was hired here, we all stood in that room and watched him take command of the media. We watched us several individuals in this media who cover the team actually kind of fall on the floor and like melt in his hands like chocolate, right? Because he is that controlling of the coach. But I would always ask fans because during training camp, some fans were a little torn. They were like, okay, well, we're hearing all these things about Sean Payton. We know his resume, but we know he could be a tough coach. So I said, which one do you want? I mean, you had Nathaniel Hackett, and he was the nicest guy ever. And, and, I, and I, I truly say that he was. But did that work?
0: did not. It didn't work. Are you milk chocolate or dark chocolate?
1: Man, look at me, man! I'm dark chocolate. <laughs> come on, man. Why am not looking to assume come anything? <laughs> well, I mean, listen, everybody's got their different like taste buds and everything like that. Yes. I mean, it's,
0: yes, dark chocolate. I don't want to assume anything. Yes, but now that's you the right. Know. That's the right answer. Yes, that is the right that answer. Is the
1: correct answer. All
0: right, we'll come back. Benjamin Albright's going to join us. Coming up next on KOA Sports Eight Fifty AM and Ninety Four FM. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.